Remain standing with me for just a few more moments. Not going to be very long in this message. This is actually a four-part message. Started the first one last week. This is the second part in the new season. Exodus chapter 12, verse 31. And as you're turning your Bibles there or flipping your iPhone or Android, I wrote it down here to remember. I've been forgetting for the past three weeks. And I said, I'm not going to forget today. Uh, today, uh, why, people already know, but if you did not know, I want to announce uh, Brother Matt and Shana, they are with child. And she is pregnant. Come on, give her a hand. Amen. That's awesome. Their first, first child, first of many to come. Many, many, multiply. But that, that is awesome to be able to celebrate whenever somebody is able to bring another life into the world. That's a powerful, powerful thing. Exodus chapter 12, verse 31 says, during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go. And also, bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will die. So the people took their dough. Before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders and the kneading troughs, wrapped it in clothing, the Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. Father, remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Let faith grow stronger. Let it arise. And let our enemies be swallowed into the sea. In Jesus' name. And all the saints of God said, Amen. Before you're seated, shake about three, four people's hands. Tell them it's a new season. Then you may be seated. How, how many can agree with me that we go by faith, not by sight? Well, the same goes for our church this morning. We go by faith and not by smell. Amen? You're catching what I'm saying, right? It's okay. We're not going to be here that much longer. So if you're smelling what I'm smelling, just uh, go by faith. Amen? That's what, it's a banquet hall. Sometimes they have things that are in here that we uh, cannot control. But... In about a month, the end of October, we're planning we were going to be out of here and into our new place there and B Street. I mean, we, we got a building that's so great that it's taken over two streets, A Street and B Street. Take them both over. And uh, maybe soon we'll have to take over C Street and D Street. Amen. Well, we'll see what happens. Amen. But 
nevertheless, that'll be at the end of October. I know people have been asking, say, when are we moving? It'll be towards the end of October. And so let's be ready for that. Amen. New season. Someone say new season. Someone say new season. Come on, someone say new season. All the ladies say new season. All the men say new season. Now, I said new season, not perfect season. I said new season, not perfect season. A lot of times, a lot of people think, okay, when it's the perfect timing, then I'm going to do it. One thing that I've learned, especially when I got married, I, it wasn't when I became the perfect man that I can receive the perfect woman. That's one thing that I learned. I was not perfect when I got married, and guess what? I'm still not perfect. Matter of fact, I remember one of the advice that I had gotten when I was about to get married, and he was asking me questions. He said, well, do you feel ready? And I go, well, I, I think I am. He goes, ah, don't worry about it. You're never going to be ready. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. I'm trying to get some advice from you. He said, don't worry. Just trust me. You'll, you'll know as you go. I said, really? Goes, but he, but no, no, he gave me other advice, too, to make sure that, hey, this is the right step. Because he wasn't. I like the advice because it had nothing to do with the woman that I was marrying. It had to do with me and who I was. So I thank God for that advice because it checked me. It had nothing to do with her. It had to do with me. I needed to check me before I got married. I'm not talking about marriage, but somebody needs to hear that here this morning. Don't think, oh, she looks great. Uh, yeah, yeah. What about you? What about you? So I thank God for that. So it wasn't that I had to become the perfect man to receive the perfect woman. It's when we actually came together and I realized, man, this is something new for me. And I stepped out into something new and I got married. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. And I've been having new seasons ever since. And I love every single season of it. Been up, been down, but all of them have been for one reason. And that is for growth. See, every season is to bring growth in your life. There is a reason for your season. And one thing that you must understand about growth that we talked about last week is this, is that growth will always uncomfort you before it blesses you. Growth will always uncomfort you before it blesses you. Now, for those of you that were here with us a couple weeks ago, last week we had Evangelist Philip LaCrue, but the week before I, I preached part one on this. Now, for those of you that were here, allow me to refresh your memory. Uh, for those of you that were not here, allow me to make some memories with you. And that is about this new season. And that this new season is going to do something that you have not seen or done before. But if you're going to grow into this new season, then you must get rid of a few things from the old season. You might have to get rid of a few habits from the old season. You might have to get rid of a few mindsets from the old season. You might have to get rid of a few people from the old season. Oh, but it's my best friend. Some of you think because of that term best means they are the absolute best. One thing I've learned is sometimes even my best friends turned out to be my worst friends. I thought they were my best. In all reality, they were just bringing me down. I had to cut some loose. Now, for those of you, that's a hard reality. But it's my best friend. But yeah, they're constantly putting you in the worst predicaments. There's no growth. There's no change within the mentality. Listen, if you are still finding yourself 40 years old acting like you're in high school, cut some friends. Cut some friends. 
You're 45 years old, still acting like you're in junior high. Stop it. I know that's a harsh reality, and you had to come to church to hear that, but it's the truth. I said, okay, well, I'm going to do that. Well, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here because we're talking about growth within our lives. And it's because God wants to use us, but he cannot use us the way that we came to him. We came to him sinners, but he wants to make you holy. Paul said, be ye holy for I am holy. Go after it. Pursue it. You don't have to stay a wretched man. You don't have to stay in that situation. You don't have to stay in that season saying, I'm nothing. Nothing could ever be done with me. God wants to use you greatly. Can I hear an amen? But you're going to go through a few things in order to be used greatly. Last or a couple weeks ago, we talked about it and we set a platform in Exodus chapter 12. And we read about the Israelites and how they had been in captivity for over 430 years. So it's pretty safe to say the Israelites needed a change. They needed a change. They'd been in captivity for 430 years. And then we also talked about how then when they left, the Bible says they plundered. And when they plundered, they took back what was theirs. So even though they were going into a new season, even though they were going into a new place, what happened was they took their promises that were rightfully theirs. See, some of you here this morning, you need to know this. Even though you're going into a new season, those old promises, they're still yours. They're still yours. Well, okay, I'm something new, but what about my children? No, your ch if God promised you them, you're going to get them. Your child, your son that you haven't seen in a long time, he's coming back to you. Your child's salvation, I know that your child thinks, oh, I don't believe in God. It's okay. You, you, you want to know what I found out? The person that says, I don't believe in God, probably believes in God the most. They just want to deny it the most. That's what I found. I don't believe in God. Those are the most meticulous people who are looking for any little thing for reason to not believe in God, when in all reality, their scientific proof and their theories proves that God is real. So even for those of you, I say that because for those of you that have family members, that they tell you there's no such thing as a God, just watch, just wait, give them a little bit of time, but take that promise into your season, saying, that's my promise. So even sometimes when your friends or your family tell you, I ain't no God, you know, you just tell them, just say, don't worry about it. You're still my promise. It's still going to happen. Somebody say new season. <laughs> then we also talked about, we read about how 600,000 men, not including women and children, up and left. They just up and left. Egypt, they just up and left. 600,000. Some theologians believe over a million people up and left. But then we read a million people, and then Pharaoh all of a sudden said, well, you know what, I, you know, I can't believe I, I did this. I, well, why did I let him go? Let's go get those 1.2 million, 1 million back. I know what I'll do. I'll just take 600 chariots. See, even your past doesn't believe that you can make it in your new season. If you study the scripture, some people believe, well, it could have been 20,000, 22,000, even 30,000 Soldiers went after 1.2 million people. 30, that's not a lot. That's a drop in a bucket compared to 1.2 million people. But see, even Pharaoh believed, you're never going to make it, and you're going to have those friends, and you're going to have those people that said, you're never going to make it. 
Yeah, you're going to church. Don't worry about it. You'll be back. I got the beer waiting for you right here. It's nice and cold. Because you have those people that believe that. But see, one thing I love about my God is my God is able to keep you. My God is able to sustain. Oh, come on. Somebody got to believe that. My God is able to sustain you. My God is able to work out exactly what he said. He's going to finish with you. So even though the world may not believe it, it's okay. If my God is for me, who can be against me? I believe it. Somebody say, I believe it. Tell the person next to you, say, I believe it. And then we also learned about how you need to tell your children. Even before they left, God told them, make sure to do this. And when you do this, when you have the Passover, tell your son about the greatness of God. Listen, this is very important. This is very, very important. In your new season of where you're going, and we heard the testimony here earlier from Eric and Erica. We heard it from them. God blessed us. And I know Eric. I know he's telling his children, saying, children, you need to know this. God gave us this vehicle. You got to tell your children. Amen. Tell your kids. And I just want you to know, God did this. God did this. Uh, the other day, I'm sitting there with my children watching the television, and a commercial came on. And then the commercial came on, and it was like one of them, you know, pillows that lights up, right? And then the pillows that lights up. And my kids... Right away, you know, I didn't pay no attention, but until all three of them said it at the same time. One started, then the next started, then the next started. They all did it together. And they did it really fast. And I go, wait, 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 wait. I, I, it kind of caught me off guard. And I go, Stevie, what did you just do? He goes, well, I just prayed. Because what happened was the commercial came on. When I was a child, what I used to do is I used to say, dibs, dibs, that's mine. That's what I used to call that. When I see in a car, I go, ooh, dibs, that's mine. My children, they don't call dibs. What they do is they pray for it. And they pray fast. <laughs> so they saw the pillow, this light up pillow, and all of a sudden my son goes, ooh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, let her get Amen. I'm not making it up. Right? And I went, what did you just do? So I just prayed. And I asked them, who taught you that? And they all go, well, mommy taught us. I said, mommy taught us? They go, yeah. They said, mommy taught us that if we want to ask for anything, to ask God in prayer. I go, well, I have a car that I, I would like in my driveway. You think you could do that for me? I was joking, and my son, little Elijah, goes, Father, pray for a car for my daddy, Jesus, amen. I go, amen. But it's very important, listen to me, parents, it's very important to tell your children how great God is. Tell them how powerful God is. Let them know the work that God did within your life. Let them know that, listen, when they see their mom and they see their dad doing great, tell them, say, no, 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 son, it wasn't me, it was God. I need you to know, daughter, that it wasn't me, it's God, it's all God. Let them know. Let there not be a generation that knew not God. Whoo, 
before. I would never pray that there would be a generation that knew not God. But in this church, in Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, we're going to have a generation and another generation and another generation that's going to know that there was a God in the city of Hayward. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. Tell your children. Let God's promises shine on our problems. Listen, if we're going to grow in this new season, there's a few things that I believe we need to focus on in order to live that abundant life, or even according to this context of the scripture, even live in the promises of God or the promised land. There are three things that need to transform within us in order to have these promises and keep these promises that we see here in this portion of scripture. And I talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to share about it here today. But we're just going to go over one. The first thing is you got to change what you eat. Change what you eat. The second thing is you got to change your perspective. And the third one is change your lifestyle. Keep coming. We're going to talk about perspective. We're going to talk about lifestyle. But today, we're going to talk about change what you eat. Somebody say eat. The human animal is the only animal that could be having a full plate of food in front of them and still talk about more food. We're the only ones that do that. I've had a huge burrito in front of me. A burrito famoso. See, I can speak Spanish. There you go. Let's talk food. I can preach Spanish. Amen. Oh, man, great, delicious. And I'll be eating it. And I'll still be talking about barbecue ribs. We have this unquenchable thirst to just always consume. We just do. And so it's very vital, listen to me, it's very vital that you understand you are what you eat. Exodus chapter 6, excuse me, chapter 16, verse 2 says, In the desert... The whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Now, just to kind of set the table... The Israelites, 1.2 million or more, left Egypt. They were all brought out. When all these people were up and moving in tents and, you know, trying to worry about uh, bathing and showering and cleaning and the children and the goats and the, everything around, one of the things, of course, if you're going to survive, you have to eat. You have to eat. So they're, they're obviously a concern for them is their food. And it's a righteous concern, of course. It's their food. But now, remember, they walked through the sea. They seen the sea part, and then they seen the sea swallow up their past. They seen it swallow up Pharaoh and all his army. They seen the miracle. They seen all this, and they knew that God was going to provide for them. Remember this. It may be your season, but it's his direction. Remember that. It may be your season, but it's his direction. So God knew where he was taking them, and God knew what he wanted to build inside of them because this was, this was his chosen people. He had chosen them out of everybody in the world. He chose them. They were his people. 
And so then the Bible says that all of a sudden they began to grumble and they began to complain. Oh, I remember how it was when we had it way back when. Now this is also very important. In verse 34, it says, As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant and the law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna, listen, they ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the borders of Canaan. Now this manna, this is what the Israelites had wished for. They had wished for bread, but they had wished for a bread that was made of barley flour or even wheat. But God gave them not their kind of bread, but a substitute for what they had wanted. This was a substitute. Look at that word substitute. Doesn't it, it's kind of like a, a foreshadowing here within the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because of a substitute, he bore my sins. So he was already sharing with his people, look, I'm just telling you now. I'm trying to show you now. I'm going to give you what you need, not what you want. I'm giving you something. And even later on in 1 Peter chapter 2, it talks about how he bore our sins as a substitute on this cross. Even before giving it, he promised that this should be first given. So within the people, all of a sudden, this bread from heaven came, and it aroused their expectation. Faith began to be exercised, and the power and the goodness of God was both on display. And this was also given as a law. The promise was given a law. They were on each occasion to gather no more than what they would be able to serve just for the day. They were, he was going to give them manna, but just daily manna. Therefore, they would continually live by faith, taking no thought for the next day, but trusting all to God. They were taking this day by day. Kind of another one, the Old Testament, the New Testament, right? Give us this day our... Here he's already showing his people that they need to live daily. Live on the bread daily. Out of all the things that Jesus could have broken, he said, let us partake and let me break this bread. Out of all the things. See, this is very important in the Hebrew culture that what bread signifies. This is very, very important. And he was telling them, look, if you're going to go into this new season, then there has to be a new diet. And a new diet is a healthy one. It's not one that you cannot, you cannot skip a day. you got to have this workout daily. The Bible says that our salvation is actually a workout. Did you know that? You must work out your salvation. Work it out. See, now, the moment I say this word daily or even workout, uh, right away our mind goes, man, I got to work. I don't want to work. I got to work for work. I don't want more work. And then especially if I say daily, like, oh, daily. can we do weekly? Weekly would just be awesome. Now, service is weekly, bi-weekly, and sometimes tri-weekly, depending upon how many times you come to church. But this is very important. When it comes to your salvation, what he was telling the children of Israel and what he's telling us today is that you must partake of this daily. It's a diet that must be done daily. If you go to the gym, how do anybody go to the gym here? Any people go to the gym? 
After you go to the gym, aren't you hungry? Right? You're hungry. I don't know about you, but I know when I go to the gym, man, Father, I need to go to the gym in the name of Jesus. I work out, but I don't do it on a daily. I got to do it. Pastor Daryl, help me out. You know that means nothing, right? Okay, all right. Trying, I'm trying. Now, I know for those of you that are thinking, well, Pastor, you're skinny, you're small. Believe me, I don't go to look good. I, know, I go for my health. I need to go for health. And some of you, you, you see, when you think gym, you think, oh, I'm going to go to the gym to look good. And I'm going to tell you right now, you'll never make it. You're not going to make it. Don't go to the gym to look good. Go to the gym to be good. And the inside is very important. Even what I'm talking about right here is very important, health. And this is what God was trying to tell his people, trying to say, look, I'm trying to get you healthy spiritually. You've been in captivity for so long. You've had so much wrong for so long. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about, and you must do this daily. Your body, when it goes to the gym, as soon as it's done working out, it's hungry. It's the same way for your soul. When you're working out your soul, your soul is hungry. Your soul is starving. Your soul is going out. It yearns for something. So the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, I believe it's in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now I like it. Because it says, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. I want you to know something. I have never eaten a burrito and eaten righteousness at the same time. Never done that. Why? Because one is physical and one is spiritual. So I can't eat spiritual things physically. And it's the same way you need to under, understand when it comes to righteousness. It's not something you taste with your tongue, but it's something your heart is longing for. And you need to make sure that you're eating this on a daily. Now, before we continue on this righteousness, we've got to understand something about being righteous. Because a lot of times, especially us, we, we tend to define righteousness on what people don't do. In other words, like, I don't drink, or he doesn't smoke, or we don't do this, we don't get into fights, we're not a, a pharmaceutical distributor. Uh, that was a pretty good one right there, right? You like that one? I'd have come up with that. That was pretty good. Yeah, like, another word for connection? Come on, help me out here. Doesn't do drugs, doesn't dress inappropriately, therefore, they're a good person. Right? You always hear that all the time. I'm a good person. I don't do this. Therefore, I am good. But what you need and I need to understand, especially here within the Bible, within the Hebrew culture, it wasn't about what you didn't do. It's about what you pursued after that made the righteous. Now, think about this for a second. This is very important. Think about the men in the Bible who were called righteous. And the things that they did. I mean, as I began to study this, this blew me away. I said, who were the men in the Bible that were called righteous? Abraham was called righteous. Now, if you know the story of Abraham, would you look at his life and call him righteous? No. No way. Abraham got so scared, he gave up his wife to Pharaoh's harem. Because he was, scared. He was a coward. He was a coward, so he gave up. Can you imagine? I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Here, just take my wife. 
Twice. Twice. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I know I did wrong before, honey, but I need you one more time. You got to go. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that cowards will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The Bible also says in the book of Revelations that cowards are going to split hell in half. So if you really study the life of Abraham, really by all token, he was a coward. He really was. Think about this. If CNN and the internet was around back then, and you read about the life of Abraham, let's be honest, we would look at that and go, oh, man, he's all messed up. He'd be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially in today's day and age, people just make up stuff all the time. They just be making up stuff, making up stuff all the time, just making up stuff. But yet, here in the Bible, God calls Abraham righteous. Wait a second, he's a coward. Doesn't make any sense. David, oh my gosh. If you knew the life of David, they, oh my Lord, stood back from a battle that he should have been in, but he's on a rooftop, sees a woman, goes, hey, mama. Translation in the Greek, mama. Bathsheba lies with her. She's married. All of a sudden, oh my gosh, she's pregnant. What do I do? Comes up with a plot. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to take, make sure, bring her husband back, sleep with your wife. Make sure to sleep with your wife. Okay, that doesn't work. So he goes back out there. Okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I'm going to, I got to kill this guy. In the process of the plot of trying to kill her husband, 17 people get killed. So these people are all killed. David's trying to cover it up. And then all of a sudden, here comes the prophet and says, you know what, David, you are that man. You're the one that's messed up. He gets rebuked like if he's the last man on earth. I mean, David just totally is mind perverted and messed up. Yet, God says, he's a man after my own heart. Wait a second. This is the way, hold on one second. This doesn't make any sense. Solomon had 700 wives. I've got one. How does he do 700? That's crazy. I'm good with one. I just, just one. Hallelujah. This man has 700. Yet, People call him probably the smartest man to ever live. One of the smartest men to know the thoughts in the heart of God. They called him righteous. If CNN was around back then, if MSNBC was around back then, if Fox News was around back then, would you look at the life of Solomon on the television and go, that's a righteous man? Probably not. Samson. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 was a hero of the faith. They call him a hero of the faith. Yet Samson got so depressed because one of his friends took his wife on his wedding night. So he goes and starts laying with prostitutes. Yet he's a hero of the faith. Would you look at these men's lives and call them righteous? No. See, because in the Hebrew culture... It's not about what you didn't do. It's about what you pursued. 
righteousness has to do with the pursuit of it. See, righteousness is not about being right all the time. The other day, me and my wife, we were coming back from San Diego, and this very it struck a chord within my life because this has never happened before. Now, for those of you that are married, uh, maybe you do this, maybe you don't, but I know me and my wife, I even told my wife I was going to share this here today. And uh, she was like, no, don't share it. I go, no, 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 I'm actually going to share how it's, it's me, not you. She's like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so the other day, we're driving back. Someone's driving with us, and, and uh, we're, we're looking at some pay, uh, uh, pictures there on, uh, on, on Facebook, and we're talking about some things there on Facebook. And, and uh, oh, there's a picture. And I go, oh, yeah, somebody wrote a picture, drew a picture. And my wife said, oh, it was on, on this day. And I go, no, it was actually the other day. And she goes, this is the first time this ever happened. I'm the one that always does it. You know, just little things that you have in your marriage. You just, it's fun, right? And so she goes, no, it wasn't. I'll bet you. And I went, what? Now, for us, I'm the one that always does that. I always like, you know, it's just a little fun thing because I like to do that. I go, no, no, I'll bet you. She goes, no, no, no. You know, we just bet little things, a little foot massage, a little foot rub, or, you know, okay, she wants to go to Michael's. All right, go to Michael's. Here you go. It's almost like when I say that word Michael's, she's like, ooh. <laughs> Melts in her heart, not in her hand. You know what I mean? Like, ooh, Michael's. You know, so we, we, I always do that. I go, I'll bet you, you know, I'll bet you a foot massage. I'll bet you a head massage. So this is the very first time in the 14, 15 years that we've known each other, that she has ever said, I'll bet you. So I took to it. <gasps> what? Yeah, she was like, yeah, I'll bet you. I go, you know what? Just for the sake of this day, I'm not going to take the bet. Even though I'm right, <laughs> I'm not going to take the bet. She goes, no, 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 no. You're not going to take the bet because you know I'm right. I go, tell her, I'm just telling you right now. I know I'm right. As God is my, I'm right. But this is a historical day. And I want to put this on the chronicles of Esteban and Chela's marriage. That Chela made the bet. I even wrote it down on my phone on that day. I was like, oh, this is powerful. This is awesome. I couldn't believe it. So I didn't even take the, I didn't want to take the bet. Because I couldn't believe, this was awesome. She's like, yeah, yeah, because you know I'm right. You know I'm right. I go, okay, I'm just telling you. And so then we're there in line at the airport, and I'm checking, and I look on, on the Facebook, and I go, here you go, Chell. And she looks at it, and she goes, oh, my gosh, I just got moated. <laughs> I want you to know something. Righteousness is not always about I won the bet. That's not what, what righteousness is. Righteousness is all not about I'm better than him, therefore I'm righteous. Righteousness is all about I have more than them, therefore I am righteous. No, that's not what righteousness is. Righteousness has nothing to do with how smart you are. Righteousness has to do with what you pursue in your heart. The word righteousness translated is this. I'm just going to break it down in the Hebrew. I can't say the words in the Hebrew correctly, but I'm going to translate it into English. Righteousness means this. The desire of your heart opens the door to humility. Hear me out. Righteousness is this. 
The desire of your heart opens the door to humility. Actually, the word righteous in it has a fish hook to it with bait. So in other words, whatever your heart is hooked to, that's what you're going to pursue. That's what you're going to go after. See, it's not what you do, it's what you're yearning for in your heart. But if, but if you're like me, just like the Apostle Paul, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I want to do it. Like, but what about that? What about those things that I'm doing? I'm, because it's not about what you're doing. It's about what you're pursuing. Are you hearing me? And this is very important that you take this in your daily diet to pursue the things of God. Now, also, this is very important. In the Hebrew culture, I talked about this before, so I'm not going to really elaborate on it. But you cannot separate righteousness and generosity. Whenever there's righteousness, there is always generosity all throughout Scripture. If they could put up Psalms chapter 37, verse 25, I want to show you here. There's a few Scriptures, and you can turn there if you want to. Psalms chapter 37, verse 25, very famous, we even sing this as a song, it says, I was young and now I am old, yet never have I seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Look at this in verse 26, they are always generous and lend freely and their children will be a blessing. Always throughout scripture, in the Hebrew culture, and I believe it should be in the Christian culture, as Christians, if you are going to pursue righteousness, then you're going to pursue generosity. That's, even the world, even the world knows that Christians are all about giving and being generous. Now listen to me, this is very important, because right now, you, when you hear a preacher, right away you think about, oh, the preacher wants money. You're definitely not hearing me. Because we already picked up our offering. We're not picking up an offering. Listen to me. As a Christian, to pursue righteousness means to pursue generosity. Being a giver. Being someone who is able to have and be able to give. Blessings overflow. When you see someone in need, does your heart pursue that need, or does it say, someone needs to help that guy? See, are you hearing me? It's the pursuit of your heart. The pursuit of who you are. The pursuit of not what you do, of who you are. And it's very important. Who you are will be preceded by, or proceeded by then what you're doing. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. John chapter 3, verse 16. But actually, look at this. Not John. 1 John. I want to show you the other one. Look at 1 John 3.16. I'm showing you some scripture here, and then we're done. 1 John 3.16. Are you guys getting something here this morning? 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Are you guys there? I want to make sure you guys have it with me. Because if they don't have it on the screen, make sure to, to read it there in your Bible. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Ooh, the other John 3, 16. See, everybody loves the John 3, 16, for God gave 
But then in this John 3.16, for you must give. Look at verse 18. Look at this, verse 18. I like this. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to truth and how we set our hearts and rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, John 3, 17 says, there is now therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. See, if you are in Christ, you are pursuing him. And if you're pursuing him, this is very important, because let us not be someone who says, I'm a Christian with my mouth only. Because what ha this happens a lot of times. I'm a Christian because I go to church. Okay. Tomorrow I'm going to walk into a mechanic shop and I'm going to go, I'm a mechanic because I walked into the shop. And they're going to look at me like, dude, you're crazy. Do you know how to use the tools? Don't worry about it. I'm standing here, therefore, I'm a mechanic. Now, to the mechanic, of course, that makes no sense. Well, it goes the same for us as Christians. I'm in church, therefore, I'm a Christian. Okay, well, what are you pursuing? What are you going after? Don't be somebody who just says it. Be somebody who also shows it as well. And the righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after this. Look at this. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. This is, this is also another portion of scripture. Uh, I've shared on this before. I, I love this part right here. Verse 7. He says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him. Now, this is very important. Just right here. The Bible says, let me just paraphrase real quick. I don't want to read the whole thing. There was a bunch of people. John the Baptist went out there to go be baptized, right? So John's ministry is what? To baptize people. So if we, all these people are coming out to be baptized. And yet here it is. Look, look at this. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, and he's just keep going and going. Basically what he's doing, he's rebuking the light out of them. Rebuking the living daylights out of them. Just rebuking them. Now remember, they came to him. He didn't go to them. They came to him. For God can take these stones and make bread out of them. God can, he can do whatever he wants to do. And watch, keep reading there. I like this right here. It says in verse 10, after he's rebuking them, the crowd asked, what should we do then? Now look at this is very important. He rebukes them, cuts them up. The axe is falling. The fruit you're not doing. The bread. God can do whatever he wants. Rebuke. And so you would think, the crowd says, should we, maybe we should get on our face and we should repent before God. Maybe we should, maybe we should go in a circle seven times around. And we should, maybe we should do, maybe we, and this is what John says. Okay, you know what you need to do? For the one who has possessions, give it away. And for those who have food, do the same. Wait a second. Oh, no. Yeah, because so if you want to be a righteous person, quit saying it with your mouth. Show it with your actions. 
the pursuit of righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. See, this is very important, that your salvation is longing for something. Your salvation is yearning for something, and it's yearning for righteousness. Not to be right. Listen to me. This would, this would, be just, this would solve so much problems in the church if we would just have a bunch of people who would stop wanting to be right all the time. It really would. Now, I know there's a lot of people who go, I don't go to church because a bunch of hypocrites. I like what Billy Graham said. He said, all right, well, if you join a church, now there'll be another hypocrite. It's actually true. I don't go to church because I don't go to church. Whatever reason. But really, within the church, a lot of times, we go, oh, no, I, uh, I, I do, this is right. No, this is right. No, this is right. And if we would just lose our pursuit of being right and gain our pursuit of being righteous. Man, I'm telling you, the power of God that would be seen all throughout the city of Hayward and the Bay Area, because then all of a sudden, there would be a clear vision light. Because then there would be people that would be pursuing after the things of God. There would be a group of people that would say, listen, I'm seeing it with my eyes, but I'm pursuing it with my actions. I'm seeing the need, and I'm seeing those that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. There's a bunch of people here in the city of Hayward. The city of Hayward is almost 150,000 people. And if you live in the city of Hayward, you already know that we don't even just consider just Hayward. Hayward is a part of the Bay Area. In in the Bay Area alone, there's over 2.1 million people. In the greater Bay Area, there's almost 5 million people. So what am I saying? I'm saying that there is a group of people that need to know that there are Christians that are pursuing the things of God with their heart and with righteousness. They're hungry for it. They need to know that you are pursuing the things of God. There's a bunch of people that need to know. When John told these people, said, look at you guys. Look what you're doing. Look what's taking place. You need to understand that there is a group of people that are out there. They need to know that I love them. And the only way they're going to know is if you show them. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. In this new season, you got to change your appetite. Change your appetite. See, I know you thought you were coming into this new season going, man, I cannot wait for God to give me. Right? Let's be honest. Oh, man, I'm going to get into this new season, and God's going to give me a house. Oh, man, God's going to give me a car. God's going to get, and listen, God wants to do that. God wants to bless his people. Matter of fact, he wants to bless you so much that it overflows. But this is very important, what he told the children of Israel, and he's telling his children today. you got to change your diet. I know you're used to doing one things one way, but in this new season, in order for you to sustain and keep these promises I want to give you, then you got to change some things. Change the way you eat. Change the things that you go. Change the things that you go after in your spirit. That you try to dive into, oh man, I love that, I love that. Listen, be very careful with those things that you love. The reason why they're your love, they're your favorites. 
In fact, if we go to your favorite restaurant right now, right now, you don't even need to look at the menu, right? I don't need to look at no menu. I know exactly what I want. Okay, you're going into a new season. There's a new menu. You have no idea what's on it. See, because some of you are so used to, oh, I know, I know exactly what friends I'm going to call. I know exactly who I'm, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to get. And all of a sudden, you're going to look at the menu and go, well, I've never seen this before. I've never done this before. Listen, some of you in this new season, you're going to have to cut off some old friends. You might have to get some new ones. But, and see, and this is what I love. Now I'm going to get real practical and I'm done. I'm going to come to the keyboard right now, wherever AJ's at. This is what I love about our church. For those of you that are visiting our church, and you hear the pastor and you hear the preacher, he's talking about, well, new friends. And, and sometimes it's kind of like when you were in elementary school and you went to a new school. For those of you that transferred school, or even when you went to a new grade, it's always scary. Like, well, I don't know anybody. I don't know anything. Can you imagine if you stayed with the first grade mentality all your life? You never got into multiplication, into addition, into division. You never really pursued, you never really pursued any of that stuff. See, now for some of you, if I start talking science, you remember a little bit about it. I kind of remember it because you pursued a little bit of it. But then for some of you, I didn't pursue enough. I just skipped school. No, some of you, you did. But then you grew up. You said, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to go after this. In this new season, I want to challenge you. Change the pursuit of what you're going after. Because that promised land, it's coming, and he wants you to keep it. Remember, I said this before, and I'll say it again. One of the main reasons why a lot of theologians believe they wanted 40 years because they waited. They waited for those that didn't believe, that didn't want to change, he waited for all of them to die. He waited for them to just die already. I need a new crop. I'll give it to your children because you didn't want to change your eating habits. You didn't want to change your perspective. You didn't want to change your lifestyle. You still want to worship a golden calf. I brought you up out of that so you don't have to worship that. And yet you still want to do that. Listen, don't, don't find yourself wandering around aimlessly doing the same old, same. aren't you tired of the same old, same old? The old saying that we used to say, aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Aren't you? Listen, for those of you that, listen, you still have that addiction. I know I will I wasn't talking about this today, but some of you, you still have that addiction. And you, nobody knows but you. You're the only one wandering around. Nobody sees you wandering. You're the only one holding on to it. Wandering around. And you need to know something. God will let you wander. He'll let you wander. He gave you a healthy liver for a reason. Don't kill that thing. For those of you that are drinking, I mean, I don't need, let's, let's just be honest, let's take God out of it. Even I don't even have to tell you that drinking is bad for you. Doctors will tell you that. You don't need God to tell you that. Doctors will tell you, stop drinking. Stop smoking. Like, it's not, well, smoking send you to hell. I don't care about hell and heaven right now. I care about your life right now. That's what I care about. 
I'm not God. I can't determine if you're going to heaven or drinking. If you're going to, I can't do that. I can just tell you, the doctor told me, keep drinking, you're going to have a bad liver. Some of you, you're in a relationship outside of the relationship that you currently have. And I'm telling you, you got to stop that. Well, my dad, you know, he had three women in here, and my mom, they, you know, they did that. Listen, stop wandering around aimlessly and break this curse. Change your eating habits. Change what you pursue. Well, that's the way I've always known. That's the way it's always been. It's always been served to me like that. I've always known it like that. It's a new season. You have the ability to say, if this is on my plate, I don't want that. I'm going after something new. I'm actually, look at this, I'm actually going to stay with my husband this time. Now, for those of you that listen, I understand you've been married before, especially in today's day and age, especially in our church, we have a lot of mixed marriages. We have a lot of husbands that were married before, a lot of wives that were married before. I understand that, listen, the past is the past, but you need to know this, what has been swallowed up in the Red Sea, it's done, it's over with. Now, you're in a new season. Now, God is doing something new with your family. He's doing something new with your marriage. He's doing something brand new with you my past. Listen, don't worry about that. Pursue righteousness. Pursue after God and trust me, you'll see the results. Now, I'm not talking physically. I'm talking spiritually. But just like anything, many times you go to the gym and you want to see the results right away. Right? Don't lie. Look at that. You see that? You see that, babe? Whoa, it got harder. Look at that. My muscle, it grew a centimeter. Well, it's the same thing when it comes to righteousness. I know you did one thing. All right, look at it. I'm great. No, 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 keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. Look what I did. Look, look at the past. Look what I'm doing. I'm a good person now. No, they're not going to leave you alone. They're still going to try to come after you don't pursue them anymore. Though they pursue me, I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm in God's hands. I'm pursuing after him. I want to challenge you. For those of you that are in this new season, that you need to change your eating habits. Now, I'm not talking about the food that you're about to partake of after we're done eating. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the spiritual food that tomorrow, when you're not in church and we're not worshiping and we're not dressed up real nice, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this new one when it comes to Monday, when it comes to Tuesday. See, we come to church and we can worship. Do you worship on Monday? Do you still worship on Tuesday? Do you still pray on Wednesday? Do you still pursue God on Thursday? Do you still have a heart after God on Friday? Saturday, even though laziness kicks in, do you still have that courage to wake up and say, God, I still want to pursue you today? Is that still there? Because he gave them daily bread. Daily, 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 daily. I want to challenge you. Every day, wake up and say, God, today I'm pursuing you. I may not be perfect. I may not have it all together. I may not have a workout like him or a workout like her, but that's okay. I'm working out this salvation. 
and I'm working it out with fear and trembling and knowing that you are the author and the finisher of my faith. God, I want to go after you. I want to go after you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my body, with all my soul. God, I want to be filled by you. Stand with me here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would fill those that want to be filled. Fill those that need to be filled right now. In the name of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed.